Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Inside the Comedian with me, David Reed. In this episode, I'll be interviewing Miles Jupp. <laughs> Comedian, writer, actor, strategy consultant, survivalist, heartthrob, lung ache, sore back bottom trouble. Miles Jump, welcome to Inside the Comedian. Uh, thank you, David. It's a, I mean, it really, honestly, it's a great, it's a great privilege uh, to to be asked to come on inside the Comedian. And also, it's very kind of you to dangle the option that I was allowed to stay and watch uh, a Pappy's podcast <laughs> um, being recorded, which was uh, one of the two main draws. <laughs> well, any time, <laughs> many thanks. You, you genuinely know all of them. I do. I've, I've met all of them. Well, I've met well, all of them now. It's gosh, um, I'm, I'm, I have my favourite. <laughs> But I never kiss and tell. <laughs> um, Miles Jump, you are one of the busiest men in comedy. What is it about you that people find so laughable? Um, <laughs> I, I think it's just my, my level of willingness, generally. Um, there's a sort of st- soft, squishy character in enormous numbers of ill-thought-through sitcoms. And, um, you know, that creates a void that needs to be filled. And um, inevitably, about half of these characters uh, have been... They're quite two-dimensional, so they'll just put put a dog collar on, whatever it is. And um, (laughs) that turns it into more of a character. And um, that's that's where I tend to join the project, right about the uh, recall stage. (laughs) Do you find that uh, the... The method stops there with the attaching of a small piece of white cloth or plastic to your person. Yeah, I mean, the costume designer on any show mm. is probably... That, that's really the engine room. That's, <laughs> that's where the work is done. Absolutely. I mean, you get something, someone says, look, we would absolutely love you to take part in it. It's a table read um, for BBC Three. Um, we'd love you to come and take part in it. And you read it and you think, well, this, I mean, this is absolutely I shit mean, it all is, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Um, I mean, somebody rings you and says, hello, I'm doing the costumes. Um, you think, what thank are your God. You think, hello, we are in safe hands. Finally. 
and um, and they dress you in appropriate costume. Mm. Um, it's always very a good idea, I think, if you're doing costumes in a, any sort of program, make it always look whoever the character is, always make it look like absolutely everything they're wearing is completely brand new, fresh out of the packet, <laughs> and leave the labels on so it can be returned after absolutely. filming. Absolutely, then everybody looks like you know something like Hollyoaks or whatever. You know, yeah. it's really very very nuanced work, and. Um, <laughs> You know, and I just, that's, that's what, once I'm in the costume, mm. I, I literally stop working. <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I'm uh, exactly the same. I mean, the number of times where I have uh, met one of these geniuses, and we, after hours and hours of trying on options and, mm. and uh, every, every kind of trouser, um, every size of trouser, which seems a, a waste of time in a lot of ways. Yeah. Okay, we've got some that fit. Let's let's try some that don't. Yes. Let, um, let's try some that Mark Williams didn't want to wear. Because uh, yes. we already have those. That that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, generally, that's my favourite part of the of the acting process is, mm. is the costume fitting. Well, it all starts there, and they inspire the others to do better, don't they? That's right. Um, ideally. Um. Now, if I can go back to the beginning of your career. Um, you famously started uh, playing Teddy the Trawler Boat Captain on <laughs> children's television smash hit Seaside Simpletons. Um, what was it about playing Teddy that, uh, that let you explore your craft and know that this is what you wanted to do with the rest of your life? Um... Well, I have to say, when the call first came in, I thought, this, I mean, this sounds as shit as everything else. <laughs> but uh, they said, look, come in, have a lunch, uh, meet the costume person. <laughs> the producer wanged on about uh, concepts, etc. Uh, it was very... But uh, we, <laughs> we were able to have him removed. And um, <laughs> then the costume lady, uh, she showed me some uh, just initial sketches, and I, I thought she'd done a lot of work, but there were areas where clearly they needed to improve. Uh, uh, things needed to be a bit more sort of lavish, uh, contoured as well. And um, uh, we ended up booking a cottage together and just <laughs> workshopping various mm. things that I might wear during the audition process. <laughs> Thrashing uh, it out. Yeah, and Thrashing we, it out in your cottage. We got to a place where I was, I was happy to consider being in the particular programme that you just mentioned. Mm. Seaside Simpletons. Seaside Simpletons. The, um, nobody forgets Seaside Simpletons. I mean, it's part of so many people's childhoods. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, no one in, in this room, everyone's too old. But, um, uh, but, but do you ever get recognised by teenagers who you were, when they were small, you were a big part of their childhoods? Uh, yeah, yeah. And what's it, what's it like when they talk to you? Well, generally I, generally I try and steer the conversation out of the costume. Um, <laughs> of course. But inevitably some of them want to know what's happened to the other characters. Are they all still alive? Uh, who was all fun? famously dead. All, yeah. Well, I would have thought they would have heard about the accident. Uh, <laughs> you have to remember that in those days, the BBC press department was genuinely something to write home about. Mm. Um, they could... They could... <laughs> they, <laughs> They could get hold of a scandal and really just make it make it disappear. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whereas now they think, oh, we could get column inches out of this, and um, wonder why they have to settle the buildings. But um... and as the lone survivor, I mean, it, it's great that they did get rid of that scandal as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I don't know why they were. Uh, yeah, I don't know why anyone thought would have thought that I was responsible to be honest. No, for it. No. 
Uh, no, but you, you were... What led to the argument was, uh, famously, as you know, it was people, a lot of people very angry about certain aspects of the script. The, the sort of aspects of the script that I don't think anyone should get cross about in a ski lift. And I... <laughs> I, of course, I famously I wasn't aboard that ski lift because I'd uh, gone to suggest uh, a few ideas of my own to the costume lady. Mm. Um, who is thankfully still with us. Who is thankfully still with yeah. us and s- surrounded by uh, swatches that I rejected. Yeah. Is she... Uh, it, I wonder if it's the trauma that she's, she's still working on the costumes for a show long since cancelled. Um... Look, she's a wonderful lady, she genuinely is, but it's uh, sometimes people just can't be convinced that something's over. And, um, you know, a lot of the ideas that she's come up with, certainly since the programme finished, uh, have been, I would say, her best yet. Well, this I... is unfortunate, but nevertheless true. Mm. Mm. Like so much of life, David. Unfortunate, but true. I unfortunate, find nearly all true. of life is true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then... And unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> Almost, but by no means all. Yes, yes. Uh, but this wasn't to be your calling. It was a launch pad for your career. But uh, it, it's the world of stand-up comedy uh, that would turn you into the colossus of fun you are today. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. How long did it take for you to find your voice? Well... I mean, for the first five or six years, I worked as a stand-up. I, I mean, I, I mean, I barely I spoke. Barely, barely spoke. <laughs> it was a brave move. <laughs> but I, I mean, uh, inevitably, all people talked about was what I was wearing. Um, <laughs> so it, it took quite a long time before I actually had to write any jokes. I mean, I. When you start out, you have to do sort of five minutes. Well, most of that inevitably because I would. <laughs> You know, they'd say, please welcome, I'd come on with some sort of fabulous train or whatever, people... (laughs) By the time me and all the sort of team had got on stage... (laughs) Your five minutes were up. Five minutes was up, sometimes. I mean, some Um, of those venues, you can get those five minutes in, are are remarkably small and... and, um, No, that's right. Lots of of loose nails. Depends if they've got the dressing room as well, suddenly you can literally walk straight on the train. Mm. You can actually get everyone in time. It's one of those ones you're expected to come on from the back or whatever, then it is. It's hard and, I mean, in a way, people... I I started hiring a smaller team if I was in um, uh, venues that didn't have excellent uh, thoroughfares. But so you just sort of (laughs) build this up to a point. So I I then, of course, the same... When I was doing ten minutes, they said, that's awfully good. The crowd seemed to clap an awful lot. You must come back and do ten minutes and I'd come with, you know, more retinue mm. and um, a, a bigger hat I finally bigger very yeah an, enor- an enormous hat um, five minutes five minutes bigger and then finally I did a weekend my first weekend at the store and mm. uh, it was a really terrific night actually um, as ever you just never knew who you were going to be on with it was a land of surprises and I uh, I did my 20 and it went well but after Don Ward he came into the dressing room and said you don't actually say anything do you mm. <laughs> And I said to him, look, love, there isn't time. And he, <laughs> he says, I know there isn't time, but perhaps you could make time. And, uh, and a- actually, he was right, because once I started writing jokes, and, and uh, I mean, they had to be let go, uh, a lot of the people that used to sort of help me onto the stage with my costume, I did, it was actually a lot more economically viable. I mean, I, yes. was losing, <laughs> I was losing tens of thousands of pounds a year. But people um, did love you for it. They did love you for it. I well, mean, it made you stand out early days. Um, and people, you, you slowly discarded the train as you, uh, as you started to speak. Yeah, well, uh, people thought I was absolutely... They thought I was fabulous, but of course I was leaving them guessing as to what my actual politics were. Um, 
and now it's abundantly clear. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's, I mean, yeah. It's very, 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 very obvious. As a stand-up comedian, um, if you could play any room on the whole of planet Earth, mm. would you take advantage of such a disgusting privilege? <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think... Mm. I think I'd have to. I, I think one of, the, one of the great things about comedy is it's almost impossible uh, to cause offence. Um, people in this country, audiences, the viewing public, the people that write about it, people that talk about it, they are nuanced to, to a degree that I think uh, is, is the shame of um, uh, the former European Union. And so I, w- I would take advantage of that, and I think nobody would mind. If I, for instance, said, look, I really want a room where the acoustics... Are, are glorious and the light is right. I mean, for instance, you know, if I wanted to sort of preview uh, new material for an Edinburgh show in the Eagle's Lair, um, I think people would be like, well, you know, that's fine. Mm. <laughs> is that taking advantage, David, or is that just me thinking about aesthetics and sound in a well, way no, where other people... Well, you're quite right. Are, you're quite you know, right. Other people get hung up on stuff. They do, don't they? Some people do. Some David. people get hung up on stuff. Do you get hung up on stuff, David? No, you know I've never been hung up on stuff. Because you... <laughs> Some people at my school were hung up on stuff. <laughs> Pegs, <laughs> predominantly. Yeah. But I've never been hung up on stuff. Not, not, even, a, not even a rotary dryer? No, no, no never. never Literally nothing. No. no, never hung up on stuff. I mean, I feel quite left out, actually, now you mention it. Yeah, well, it's worth it. I mean, you're, of course, famous. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Honestly, uh, incredibly adept at concealing your colossal rage. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, I mean, people, people have literally no idea what's going on in there. But as somebody that I, I hope you won't mind me telling everyone, I've known no, you for please, a num- please. number of years. I mean, it is a frightening level of turmoil. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and yet, uh, they would have no idea. If well, I you see, I'm very lucky, Miles, because my, my inner rage always manifests as hemorrhoids, and that's very... That's yeah. very dealable. 
Yes. Well, any anything sort of back there, sort of medical problems in that mm. area, people can. I remember. I remember that time we, David and I, were at university together, and one mm. night David went completely nuts in a bar and um, just turned pretty much every table in the place over and ripped the jukebox in the days when they had jukeboxes. Yeah. Ripped the jukebox off the wall and uh, he threw it through a window. And people were like, God, oh, that guy's really angry. And um, somebody said, No, he's got an anal fissure. <laughs> and, um, Nobody. And that stuck, and yeah. for, for many years that was my stage name. <laughs> I certainly, certainly nobody minded, did they? Nobody, nobody minded. minded nobody nobody booked me, but nobody minded. <laughs> um, now, as a successful stand-up comedian, uh, Miles, you've appeared on nearly every panel show going. I mean, Attack the Bleak. Um, <laughs> entertain Cats. Um, entertain Cats does News Round. Um, should I fly to Bruges? Um, I can never find the butt flutes and Rabbi's got shoes for Jews. Um, what is it about being paid to, to sit down and not really contribute that, that so appeals? Um... Well, it's, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's money for old rope. Um, you know, someone rings up and says, look, we're doing a thing on Thursday. Uh, is it for radio or telly, I say? And they say, it's for telly. And I say, great, I'll cancel the radio. And, um, um, because people need to know where they stand. Of course. And, and they say, look, it's, a th it's about the news, it's very gaudy, you'll know everyone, it's a great bunch of uh, people. Um, and you get there, and of course everyone has done lots of preparation, but I noticed very early on, no matter how much people work, the fee is absolutely, absolutely the same for everybody. <laughs> Apart from the uh, increasingly, well, the very, the very, just very small number of regulars left on certain programmes. But the fee for everyone, which is now, I mean, honestly, it's almost makes nothing to make. Uh, it costs nothing to make. But the, the, you go out of these things, and what I, what I am there for is uh, reaction shots. Uh, somebody will be banging on about something, in a, in a, wearing a T-shirt or whatever, and... Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is they're talking about, but the, luckily, uh, comedians these days uh, talk in rhythms that are... One hesitates to use words like sort of uh, predictable and obvious, but it's so clear when they've finished yes. that I will look up from my Sudoku or whatever it is. Um, sometimes I'm reading scripts on my phone, and uh, I know when they've finished, and I always go... <laughs> and that always makes the edit. Um, that's what I do. Sometimes I get hired. Um, people say, look, um, we did a recording last night. Literally, nobody laughed. Nothing happened. Um, would it be all right if you can come in? There's no one else there. It's, the, it's the, an episode of Mock the Week. We're going to say, for some reason, there were seven guests on. We'll stick a, stick a chair on the end, and can you just sit there and laugh for, for 29 minutes? And, um, and I, of course, very happy, very happy to. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's a valuable service. I'm literally providing sort of wadding or insulation mm. um, to a series of um, younger people with more aggressive managers. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a strange sort of way, you're rather like uh, the man who does the signing for the deaf. Ian. Ian. <laughs> yeah. Just providing a sort of an emotional stimulus for people who aren't quite with you yeah. to tell you this is funny. 
You may join me laughing. Well, when, <laughs> quite often, I think, you're watching a television programme and you can see what everyone's, you know, people are doing things and somebody's talking or someone's brought a thing in and said, sir, or, you know, so there's a little blip on the radar. Uh, people, you can see what they're doing. But I think most programmes um, benefit. Uh, and they've, of course, they've, uh, since the sign, they've realised this is true, uh, as true of news of weather as everything else. It's important to have somebody on the screen about whom the viewer think, what is that person doing? <laughs> And that is the role that I fill mm. on um, uh, most of these programmes. It's just someone that's it's just a little bit of flavour. It's a sort of blank canvas onto which you can choose to project whatever performance or meaning uh, that you like. I'm a sort of... Um... Emoji in a cardigan. <laughs> I am, yes. <laughs> yes. It's 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 just there's literally a blankness there. Uh, that's all it is. And people sometimes people project uh, their own moods onto my performances in these things. And I'll you know I'll bump into someone on the street and they'll say, "Gosh, you know, I mean, you were furious on that thing you were on last night." And of course, I say, "Of course I was," but I, I know that they're talking about themselves. If we can move on from panel shows, because it it always ends in this place. Yeah, we, um, we, we can't talk about art all evening. We can't. <laughs> You were also recently made the host of the most popular show on Radio 4, The Queefing Hour. Um, which, as we all know, has been running every hour on the hour since 1812. Did you feel a sense of responsibility uh, to such a national institution for the over-70s? Uh, I did. I, I thought this is an enormous uh, privilege, but in many ways a bigger burden. Mm. Um, a lot of people out there, they have expectations. Um, they enjoy essentially one thing and wish to have it repeated to them. <laughs> and nausea. Um, that's certainly what I find with this programme. Uh, well, that's exactly very much it. Uh, and I said, oh, God, it's very hard and it's very... Uh, God, I mean, these people, you know, they listen every week. Um, and the uh, chief executive very kindly pointed out, and I'll always be grateful for this, they said, they've just got their radios on. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's a very interesting every point. Week. Uh, mm. that's, that's all that's happened. Yes. Um, that can really screw up the listening so figures. Don't, don't worry. You could say anything. So and in a, in people would literally not notice. <laughs> In a way, because it's radio, you see, nobody listens yes, to radio, as they're yes. very fond of saying at the BBC. It's all about podcasts now. It is. People, people are literally sick to death, if I may say, of listening to things that have been professionally produced mm. on um, <laughs> high-end, publicly funded recording equipment. No, I, I know, I know. What people want to listen to is a couple of white chaps <laughs> chewing the fat, mm. uh, whilst in the background you can hear sort of drinks being put down. And, Absolutely. Doors flapping and stuff. Um, On the kind of equipment frankly, you would rip off a karaoke machine. Abs absolutely. Yes. And anything that uh, like a thought or professional production has gone into is, is little more than white noise. Absolutely. You are the bird song of entertainment. <laughs> I do um, hope so. Whereas we are a hedgehog being sick on your patio. <laughs> You may not have you may not have paid for it, but you sure as hell take notice. Um, if I could move on to your personal life very briefly, yeah, yeah on a scale of one to ten, how many children do you have? 
Um, yeah, I'm, well, it's with a, ten being the highest. Ten being the highest. Yeah, and one being the lowest. Right. And does does one represent each child? Is it a simple? Oh, I have no idea. I put very oh, little thought into prob- this. Probably, I think seven or eight. Seven or eight. Or eight. Oh, I mean that's an enormous number of children. Well, it is, if, if it reflects the number of children I actually have, then it would be, yes. But I, you, you, you've not adequately said what the increments represent. Well, no, I, I know I've not been clear, but in that... Mu- Ten could be the most, but the same number represents only one. That's four or five hundred children. <laughs> in that case, it does sound like rather a lot. Yes. But, um, would I, you, you care know, to rethink your answer? No, I would just need to make it clear that we do have some help. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, it's all right for you, Dave. You're in charge of the fucking edit. But... Um, <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you do it all yourself. <laughs> it doesn't cost you a penny, only your time, and, and that's worth nothing, apparently. <laughs> You've bravely written a book about your addiction to stalking professional sportsmen. Um, do you hope that will be a help to others to combat this condition? Uh, yes, I mean, I hope it'll be used as a sort of training manual. Um, uh, people that want to behave in this way, or indeed escape this sort of behaviour, can uh, read uh, the, the book. It, what was it called again? It was, it was called I'm After You, David Gower. <laughs> and in many ways... No, 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 you I'm get sorry. You the sense no. of that meaning by the end of the book where you, you truly do put yourself after him. I'm sorry. Actually, that, that is actually the title of my book about uh, how to queue in a cricket pavilion. Oh, I'm so uh, sorry. <laughs> Um, I read it cover to cover and I didn't get that. No, oh, well, no, a lot of it's, you know, a lot of it's quite sort of airy. If I could end on this one, it's a bit of a classic, but I think you'll like it. If you could invite any five people round for a dinner party, living or dead, only five. I think I'm most likely to invite them when they're living, to be honest. But... <laughs> OK. But there's not always enough to go round, is there? There so are, perhaps right. It's useful there to have one dead person there who can... <laughs> Well, they're a good excuse if, it, if conversation dries. You go, I really should get them to the police. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So which dead person would you, will you have on standby for that particular eventuality? Uh, probably Alexander the Great. Mm, long dead now. <laughs> Correct, yeah, but I mean... I mean, probably unrecognisable. Oh, yeah, but there are little cards on the table to say oh, who's yeah, sitting where. So um, that's that is that problem comprehensively dealt with. And uh, who are the other four living? Uh? Oh, I mean, just just bring anyone, David. Oh, really? Anyone at all? Open door. Open door. Alexander yeah. the Great. Alexander Name the Great. Label. David Reed uh, plus three. Well, you know who I'll bring. Uh, I'd love to hear. <laughs> well, always Tom from Pappies. Uh, yeah. And Ben from Pappy. Yeah. And then Stephen Fry. <laughs> Miles Chop, thank you for letting me inside you. Thank you. Miles Chop. Thank you for listening to Inside the Comedian with me, your host, David Reed. If you'd like to donate towards our running costs, please don't bother yourself. I'm independently wealthy and would probably not even notice. Even when 
we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.